Hello and welcome back to Pipettes and Politics. This is Ben Korb. I am the Public Affairs Director for the American Society for Biochemistry and Molecular Biology, and I am doing another COVID-19 special edition of Pipettes and Politics. Today, I am joined by Bill Ackley. Bill Ackley is the Special Operations and Preparedness Chair for Southwestern Connecticut Regional 1 EMS. He is a frontline first responder working on helping to protect the people of Southwestern Western Connecticut, and a longtime friend of mine, and I want to welcome Bill to the podcast. Bill, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me, Ben. Hey, I'm wondering, uh, first off, how are you feeling? Are you doing okay health-wise? Are you guys being safe and careful, and uh, just how are you doing in general? Yeah, I'm doing well. You know, uh, our biggest challenge right now is homeschooling uh, the six- and a seven-year-old, but uh, otherwise... uh, you know, in uh, my position, I'm a supervisor now, so um, most of what I deal with is uh, supporting the crews that are out there and, uh, you know, going hands-on with the patients and uh, protecting themselves and stuff and making sure that they have everything they need to do that. And now you are in Connecticut. For people who aren't familiar, you're in southwestern Connecticut. You are 25 or so miles from Manhattan. Is that accurate? Yeah, so... Yeah, so we're part of the uh, New York metropolitan area. Uh, you know, we're uh, uh, the region runs from Greenwich to Stratford, and uh, um, it's uh, one of the hard. It is the hardest hit area in Connecticut right now. So uh, we have uh, quite a number of uh, people presenting, uh, at least with symptoms, and uh, while a majority of those people uh, are coming back COVID negative. Uh, it's not something that the uh, EMS crews have uh, firsthand uh, information on when they're approaching these patients. So right now, they're at the point where uh, uh, everybody is considered COVID, uh, a COVID patient, unless proven otherwise. So every patient that you come across, uh, you've got to treat and act as if they are they, they do have COVID and, and they are potentially contagious, no matter what the reason for the call is. Yeah, because it's, it's at that point now where, uh, you know, the story's coming out and people were transporting. They don't have those, uh, you know, they didn't travel. They uh, uh, don't know of any uh, recent exposures. You know, some of them are uh, homebound or uh, confined in uh, uh, skilled nursing facilities and stuff. And so how this is all traveling around is still an unknown. And uh, so we've gotten to the point now where we're just, uh, using uh, personal protective equipment for every patient encounter. And that includes not only for the crew, but also putting a mask on the patient to make sure that uh, uh, we're keeping them safe also. And that's obviously just a completely different way from how you would treat a patient. You wouldn't normally go up to a patient in, in full PPE, you know, unless the situation warranted it. But normally if you had a, you know, just a normal sick call, you wouldn't necessarily have that have that happening yeah it's uh, the the whole approach is uh, uh totally different for the uh, personnel where uh you know when they're going into apartment buildings or into homes and stuff they're actually starting their assessment from the doorway you know and speaking to either the patient or a bystander or uh, a family member and 
asking those questions about travel and fever and uh, anything like that. And uh, um, it's just totally different. You know, the EMS people are used to going in and being hands-on and comforting people. And so now they're arriving, they got masks, goggles, and, uh, you know, gowns on and such. And uh, it's really taken away some of the uh, human uh, elements that, you know, people find comfort when we arrive. You know, they're dealing with the stress of an injury or illness, and you got somebody there that's going to take care of them and smile and, you know, have a, uh, a calming interaction with them. And that's kind of taken away with the mask and the goggles, and, you know, kind of it's made it impersonal and uh, almost sci fi like. How are you, or how is your region dealing with? PPE, right? If we're if you watch the news, you hear that's one of the biggest things that people are concerned about, and and the focus, and I mean, you know, equally so, is on doctors and nurses and people that are you know in the hospital treating patients. But there isn't the same conversation um, isn't had as normally um, or as fluidly about the first responders. So you know, what's the PPE availability situation like for you where you are? But you know, EMS has always had an identity crisis. You know, who is EMS and if you look at one EMS system, you've seen one EMS system, you know, we're so vastly different. Some are fire-based and such. Uh, you know, as far as, like, with this goes, and uh, we have gotten, uh, you know, some uh, recognition. You know, I just drove by a sign that says, thank you, heroes, uh, please fire EMS uh, and uh, healthcare workers. Uh, you know, anybody working today, whether you're in healthcare, public safety, you're working at a gas station, you're working at a, a, a restaurant delivering food, you're driving a truck delivering essential supplies, or you're a family member of any of those people, they're all heroes with this. I mean, this is a scary time for everybody because of the unknown, uh, and it's a very dramatic time. You know, we're, we're very used to, you know, dealing with a hurricane. It comes, you know, we, we have to build up to it. And then it's gone, and then we have the uh, response, and then it's all over. This is this is going to be a long run, you know. This is something that uh, uh, we're all going to uh, have to plan for not only days but now weeks, uh, and uh, we got to do it all together. And I think uh, everybody's kind of getting that uh, that recognition right now. Uh, you know, before I uh, came to work in Connecticut, I worked down in New York City. And uh, I still have friends there that I talk to, and they've been absolutely slammed. But one of the things that has kept them going is 7 o'clock every night, people are out on their balconies, you know, uh, uh, making noise and applause and music and stuff all for the first responders. And, you know, they, they are being highlighted as being that point on the arrow and stuff. So, you know, it, that, that does help. You know, in the long run, there needs to be changes. You know, there needs to be changes in how we uh, support EMS and, and uh, our first responders, but especially EMS has always been kind of uh, in the background. And I think, you know, this has uh, shown that EMS is not only an essential service, but the people are tru truly heroic in what they're doing. I mean, these guys are coming to work. They have uh, their own concerns and stuff, but you know, their own families to take care of. And, 
they're they're still coming in to take care of their communities and stuff. So and that that needs to be acknowledged. It needs to be addressed uh, when all this is said and done. You you brought up a good point. You said you know that changes are going to need to be made at some point. Um, you know, are there are there problems in in the system that are really underscored and underlined through this? Um, I think I think uh, you know uh, what everybody is talking about is the lack of PPE. You know, the personal protective equipment. Uh, you know, most CMS agencies, most most healthcare organizations didn't have a stockpile. And I think there was a, an assumption, if it was even thought of, I think there was an assumption that uh, through the national stockpile or through other means that there would be PPE available. And all of a sudden, as this started to, uh, you know, really build up steam, uh, that wasn't the case. And so uh, we're in pretty good shape in the system that I work in. Uh, but there's other agencies that are running on uh, days of, of PPE left. And, uh, you know, I know the hospitals are very stretched, not only on the personal protective equipment, but ventilators and, and then even personnel, because this is such a sustained event. How long do we keep people going motivated and healthy enough to come into work? Right. And this is for people that are listening. This is Bill Ackley again. Bill is the special operations and prepar- uh, preparedness chair. Easy for me to say uh, for Southwest Connecticut Regional One EMS. Um, another question that I had for you, you know, help people to understand PPE that a physician, that a nurse, that a first responder has. Um, part of the reason why we are churning through them so quickly is because it, it protects you with the patient you have in that moment, but you've got to change it when you go on to the next patient. It's not something you can continually wear throughout the day because as soon as you're exposed to someone, all of your PPE is compromised. Is that right? Well, that's how, that's how it was always presented to us when we did tabletops and stuff is listen, you use your PPE and then you go out and you change it and stuff. And what's happening now, because there's such a short supply of it at some, uh, areas you know especially hospitals where they're just burning through it uh is that uh folks are needing to use uh for instance their n95 masks uh for multiple patients you know as long as it doesn't get soiled or contaminated or saturated you know they're doing the best they can to uh preserve the mask so they could use it for multiple patients and there's some reports you know that they're using it for multiple days you know, just because the supply is not out there. Uh, but the rest of the stuff, the gowns and uh, gloves and things, gloves, which, we, you know, we've been wearing for years with every patient. You know, now if we have a suspected COVID patient, we may go through two, three, four pair just on a single patient. And so now how do we keep the glove supply? And while that hasn't been a problem to date, it is quite potentially can in the future. Can you do me a favor real quick and explain to people how you're supposed to wear gloves? Because a pet peeve that I have is watching people out in public wearing gloves to the grocery store and then wearing them into their car and then wearing the same pair of gloves all throughout that entire process and how that's not really helping them to not contaminate so, well, themselves. That's been one of the most, that's been one of the most uh, um, startling things for me is the amount of PPE that people are wearing out in public. And I'm not saying whether it's necessary or unnecessary. That's up to the epidemiologist and for CDC to determine. 
but to see people wearing N95 masks, but then they're not wearing them appropriately uh, out in public, you know, uh, why bother? You know, uh, people wearing gloves, you know, the N95 mask is a respirator. So it's, uh, you know, it's there really to protect uh, people from exposure from the wear. The gloves are a barrier. And, uh, you know, the gloves, even though they're made of nickel, they may still be porous, but they're meant to block out uh, any uh, um, uh, contaminants. But if you're touching something contaminated and then you're touching your face with the glove on or you're touching a card or you're touching your steering wheel or you're getting in the car and, you know, touching everything or getting home and touching everything, you're just cross-contaminating. You know, it, it, it would be much better to follow the CDC guidelines and, you know, wash your hands. If you don't have uh, access to soap and water, use a uh, hand sanitizer. Uh, there's actually plenty of ways uh, that they've shown to, if you can't get uh, Purell or something else with 60% alcohol, there's uh, other things you can do to make up a, uh, a uh, uh, reputable hand sanitizer, you know, uh, and use soap and water. If you don't have hand sanitizer, soap and water, clean off your hands, clean off what you're touching, especially high touch surfaces, your phones, your keyboards, your touch pads, your iPads, things like that. Uh, but the wearing of gloves, uh, listen, if you're wearing them into the store and you get out of the store and you take them off appropriately and you drop them into the container and then take other uh, precautions not to contaminate your vehicle and stuff is it, it, uh, a, a, a good practice, but most people aren't doing that. Most people don't have the understanding or the uh, um, training to do that. So uh, they may just be taking more stuff home, you know, because they think that they're protected and they're not taking other precautions. Right. All right. Two more questions and then I'll let you get back to work. Um, question one. Necessity is the mother of invention, or at least that's what they say. Are you finding or seeing things in your field that are really clever ways to overcome the situation that may be things that we adapt to and, and really implement, you know, wide scale after we get through the COVID pandemic? Yeah, we're seeing some million dollar ideas out here. Uh, a, a buddy of mine actually developed a, um, uh, isolation system for to put in the back of the ambulances you know so you don't have the nooks and crannies to have to chase the uh, um, contaminants down uh, I just uh, um, picked up actually from a uh, uh, fire department uh, mechanic he developed a misting system so we can actually take a uh, self-contained breathing apparatus we attach a uh, what would normally be a uh, high velocity, uh, um, high volume, uh, low velocity, or high velocity, low volume uh, paint sprayer, and we can mist the back of the ambulances to, to decontaminate them uh, just using the air pack and uh, this uh, spray gun. Uh, there's been companies locally that have switched their. Um, uh, some of their products uh, building over and they're making face shields uh, on the fly, never did it before and have just changed over their production lines and things like that. So, uh, you know, it, I, it's 
really, uh, I would say it's very much like uh, back in World War II when you had production lines just change over from, you know, making automobiles or widgets to now they're making things that are needed to fight this. And uh, most of that involves healthcare. And uh, people have really uh, uh, come to bat with that. And finally, if somebody is listening right now and they want to know how they can support their local first responders, um, what can somebody do that would be appreciated, um, you know, by someone like you and your colleagues? So we've had a, a bunch of uh, businesses and individuals come forward throughout the region with, you know, uh, providing food for the first responders. Uh, we've had construction companies, uh, uh, schools, um, auto body shops all make donations of personal protective equipment, you know, the N95 masks, gloves, things that they use in their, uh, in their business, but they realize that it's so important for us to have it to do our job. Um, you know, if people are looking to uh, be involved, you know, contact their local uh, um, town halls and see if they have a uh, um, some sort of medical response team to help, you know, if they end up uh, having shelters or testing centers, uh, you know, they can contact CERT and see if they can uh, uh, help in that way uh, if they if they have time because they're laid off. You know, if they have credentials for emergency medical technician, paramedic and stuff, contact their local agencies and see if they if there's a role for them there. I can tell you, you know, in the area that I work, we're probably about five to ten days behind New York City. And if we get any type of volume like they're getting, you know, it's going to be all hands on deck. We need to be able to keep our people healthy. We need to keep them motivated. We need to keep them protected, uh, to keep them on the line. But then if we start to get people who either develop signs or symptoms or uh, have exposures and stuff, we need to protect them and take them off the line, and we're going to need to fill those spots. So uh, how all this is going to happen is actually beyond my imagination because we're just seeing things that uh, we haven't seen before, and I think we need to keep outside of the box and how we're going to uh, approach this, how we're going to deal with it so that we don't get bogged down in things that will keep us from saving lives. But the general public uh, being out there, putting a sign up on your front lawn, thanking the people that are out there working, you know, people walking by and thanking our crews and, uh, uh, you know, making sure it's like our crews are, are thanking the people that are supporting them, like at the gas station or, uh, you know, at the restaurant, um, you know, in providing them with meals and stuff like that. So this is, a, this is all of us, you know, supporting each other. Uh, to make sure that we're, one, getting the job done, two, keeping everybody as safe as possible, and uh, three, making sure that we're learning from uh, all these experiences. Because in in the end of this, you know, we weren't prepared for this. And, uh, you know, we weren't prepared uh, as a uh, uh, region, as a state, and we weren't prepared as a nation to deal with this. And uh, the uh, approach to it is unprecedented. And... Uh, uh, we have to make note of this because we can't allow this short supply. We can't allow, you know, uh, healthcare providers to have to put them place, you know, make the choice. Do I 
try to save this life and put myself at risk or I need to be home with my kids, you know, or I need to be taking care of a loved one and things like that. Because if we don't have that health care system in place, we don't have the doctors, nurses, RTs, you know, the paramedics, EMTs, uh, you know, out there doing what's so important with this, we're going to end up in a much, much worse condition because these people are saving lives all the time and there's nothing dramatic about it. That's what they're doing. Well, Bill, I want to thank you for your time. Um, you know, I know you're on duty right now, so I want to thank you for that. Um, stay safe, please. Um, and I want to thank you for all the work that you're doing. And also, you've been a, a longtime mentor to me. So just on a personal note, thank you very much for your time so, and stay safe out there. Um, thank you. It's an honor for you to ask me. You know, I've always uh, thought so much of you, your brother, your family and stuff. And uh, you guys have always been very supportive. And so I appreciate that. And thanks for doing this and helping get word out. Uh, it's so important to people. Oh, not a problem at all. Thanks, Bill. This is Ben Corb again. Uh, I am on Twitter at BW Corb. If you're looking, uh, you can reach me there. This has been a special COVID-19 issue of Pipettes and Politics. Thanks for listening. <laughs>